Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, are you ready? Okay. The rest who aren't, you will be soon. All right, Ephesians 5. Turn to Ephesians 5 for me. We're in part two of a series that I call Go. And it actually, I, I used to do these pretty regularly in the past, and then I kind of switched it up. And I felt that we're supposed to go back to it this year, um, sharing some things. Go standing, G standing for generosity, O for opportunity. And last week, um, if you weren't here last week, then well, I want to encourage you to go back and watch that service for sure. And even if you weren't, even if you were, go back and, and listen to it again. Um, share it with your friends and share the link and all that, because it really was an opportunity for us to look back and see what, what God did in and through all the faithful, obedient people at Tree of Life Church, because he works through people. And so we saw some of, not in its entirety, but some of what we were able to do around the world, and it really is amazing what God's people can do when they come together, amen? Coming together with their gifts and their giving and their serving and their prayers to a faithful, wonderful, powerful God and, and what can happen. And uh, nothing is impossible, right, when you come together with the Lord. This week, the other half, the other side of that message is opportunity. So we're going to look a little bit about what lays ahead for Tree of Life. We'll look at some things like projects and specific opportunities, but I have something on my heart I really want to share. I've had to adjust it a little bit because I didn't realize how long I went for a service because I really just kind of got into it. So I'm going to tweak it a little bit. You can go back and I would, I would always encourage you if you went to one service, go back and watch the other because they're not always exactly identical. I mean, different things come out based on, you know, the Holy Spirit bringing based on who's here and that kind of thing. So this is one I, I I would encourage you to go back and listen to the other service as well to get a fuller picture. And so I want to uh, start Ephesians 5 and talking about, you know, this idea of opportunity, uh, because here's what I believe. I believe we plan as best we can as a church, but I believe also that we have to make the most of every opportunity. Or really, I, I think maybe, maybe we're not as much strategists as we are, as we are opportunists. Is that right? Opportunists? Is that how you say that right? And, and I think that it's important for us, heads up, eyes open to the opportunities that God provides to us and then create strategies around them. And so that's where I want to go this morning. So let's start in Ephesians 5. Start there. Let me read this for you. New Living Translation. So be careful. Hey, be alert. Be aware. Head up, eyes open, be careful how you live. Don't just live randomly. You live with a purpose. I have stuff for you. Don't live like fools. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> right? Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise or have a purpose. Make the most of every, what's that word? Make the most of it. Don't squander it. Don't let it pass you by. The God opportunities, grab a hold of those. Live your life around those in these evil days. And we all would agree the days that we live in are evil. Not to be doom and gloom, but they're evil and they're going to get eviler, but God is getting gooder. Right? That work? That work? Okay. <clears throat> um, okay. Don't act, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I want to bring some understanding today. And so it's important for us to really lock in and grasp what God has for us, not just as individuals and not just as families, but a family, a tree of life family. If you call this place home or if you're just kicking the tires for a little bit, taking a test drive and looking for a place, God has a place for everyone. Amen. And then the Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, that you put roots down and you're going to stay and you're going to commit and be involved. And so I hope all of you in that, in that place are looking, we'll find that here, and then you'll jump on board with us for what God has and make the most of the opportunities I believe that he has for us. And let me say this before I move on. We stand, and not only just at the beginning of the year, 
2020, but we stand at the beginning of a decade. And, and I know I've said that uh, probably every week, every Sunday since we moved into this next new decade. And I hope that you get tired of hearing me say that. I think the staff probably already has, but I think it is really significant for us to understand the time that we live in. We're not just looking at a new year, but I really feel this sense, this burden of, of planning and positioning for this new decade. And I think that if we will all grab a hold of that in our lives and our families and then as a church, I believe this can be an amazing decade. We're not just planning for this next year, we're planning for these next 10 years. And, and I believe God wants to do something significant because of where we stand on the timeline of life. And so it's important for us. But let's go start with the first with the mission statement. I think it was last year, kind of as a team, we went back through the mission statement and really looked at just maybe tweaking it. God, is this really what this needs to be? Is there any changes here? How do we want to express who we are and being on mission as a church? And we really felt God wanted us to change one or two words in that. And, and you'll see it here on the screen that Tree of Life, we exist. It says, to connect all, say all. All. That was the change. That was the ad. I think it was, was to connect family or t- families to the life, love, and power of Jesus. To connect people. We kicked that around. But it really isn't complete unless it has the word all. And I feel this sense of emphasizing all over and over again because I believe God's call on Tree of Life Church, partly based on who we are, but partly where we are, is having us to be more inclusive than maybe we would or maybe somebody else. Not because we're comparing, we have a call in and of ourselves that is Tree of Life. And I believe Tree of Life wants us to reach all people. Now, everybody would say, well, isn't every church supposed to? Yes and no. I mean, there's some dynamics based on where they're located, based on their capacity, based on their location, well, located, based on their facilities, that there's things that they are limited in doing. But I believe, and I'll show you this this morning, that God wants us to connect all people, all people being all races, all ages, all socioeconomic position or status, all abilities, all. We have a call of God to connect all people, and I'll show you kind of what that looks like and why I believe that to be true uh, as we talk this morning. All cultures, all races, all ages, all genders, all, you know, rich and poor and young and old and all abilities, all abilities. Let's start right there for a second. All abilities. We've been praying and planning for actually for several years about, God, what are you asking us to do to connect families of all abilities. And there's many families in our community and surrounding area that have, their children have, their family in some capacity have uh, some form of disabilities or handicaps or special needs. And I've had that burden in my heart for a while. Um, in fact, I was listening to my last Go message, which was 2015. And January 24th, of 2015, and my opportunity message, I made the comment, and God, I believe God has put this ministry in our heart, and we're going to look to build a sensory room to be able to minister to families with children that have special needs. And we just at the end of last year were able to complete the construction of that and outfit it. So our sensory room now is up and running and doing amazing things, ministering to all families, to include all children. So, and I just, I just was like, I couldn't believe it. I, 2015, and even in that message I said, I've, I, I said that, and now you've heard me say this before, so it was 2014 or even earlier, and I just want to tell you that we've been praying and planning and praying and planning, and God has been moving and working and bringing about that time, and that, this last year and the last year was the opportunity. Are you with me now? So opportunity, we seize the opportunity. 
And so God brought us the personnel. We have many of you sitting out here still are trained and, and have uh, been equipped to educate to, in the education system to be able to minister families with children with special needs. And, and I want to say that if you have that gift and you're sitting idly by, we got a place for you. It takes a lot of manpower. And we've already seen the fruit of that ministry being open and we're being very cautious because we wanna make sure we're doing it with excellence and with love and compassion and, and we wanna love on the families, not let them feel further isolated or rejected. We don't wanna fumble if, that's, you know, if we can keep that from happening. So and I keep praying for that. It's up and running, it's doing amazing things and we got a spot for you. If you have a heart for that or if you have a training and education and how to, to minister to kids or how to help kids or families with kids that have a special need or ability. And that word all just really continues to just resonate in my heart because it's not just having a Sunday morning representation of that, uh, not just for the, the children, um, but also for the parents or the family side because they have a different life that looks different than perhaps most other people that don't have a, a child with those kind of uh, disabilities. And so we have just hired, uh, maybe a week or two weeks ago, we hired uh, uh, someone that will come on staff and help us minister specifically to the families that have that. So we have a, a sensory room one side, and I don't know if you put the pictures up there, I wasn't paying attention, but a family room on the other side that we can take time not only ministering to the children when they, they're in a class and they just get overstimulated with the activity that's happening, um, then, our, then our team can come and, and try and uh, help them reconnect. And if that's not possible in that environment, they'll take them down to the sensory room. They have a great program there that they'll help them calm down one-on-one -on -one with the hopes of reintegrating them. Or if not, then we'll be ready for next week. At the same side, the other half of that room is a family room, which has, it's really nice and comfortable so the families can come in there and be ministered to in that half of the room at the same time. Because we know that it's not just this one hour and a half on Sunday morning, but we want to be a support and a blessing to them the rest of the week as well throughout the course of their day and week. And then we thought that there's something more we can do here. And we really felt the need. Uh, I felt the need. And I was talking to Pastor Janae that really felt we wanted to create an environment that would be something that the kids can engage with activities with all kids as well. And uh, kids love to play. And we felt it was important to create or build a playground, an actual real playground, not just a chain link cement, pin, cement painted kind of little bicycle thing, which has been great. But we need a playground because kids love to play. All kids love to play. And all kids need to play together. All kids, come on. All kids need to be included together and not isolated to a separate place. And so that's part of what is important to create environments and, and uh, appropriate places that they can all play together. Now let me say this, and doing that, that's a huge step of faith because it's a bigger price tag. It's a bigger ticket when you're talking about a playground that includes everybody, all the children. But it's a bigger ticket, but I got a bigger God than that, right? Come on, somebody. It's a big ticket, but I got a big God. I got, who loves to work through people that have a heart for that? Who loves to trust him and step out and stretch their faith? Especially for some, so something like the precious kids, right? And so uh, we know that there's a bigger ticket. We're working diligently to get a price, an estimate out there that we can wrap our faith around. But here's where it's going to be right outside these doors. We're in the big pink a purple round thing at the top. If you're my left, you're right. If you were to come out those doors and look left, you'll see uh, under the cover, you'll see all the way down to our tree student ministry room. But in that open area, guys, you want to show the picture if you, you see the map there. But in the open area is where we're going to put that playground. We can put a big playground right there and we can keep it safe. We can keep it a safe environment. We'll put a fence around it. We'll put a cover over it for all weather use. And so that way we can make sure that we maintain a safe environment for all our kids playing together 
together. <clears throat> and here's the thing I want to say about that. When we're creating that, um, keep in mind, it's different equipment. It's designed and positioned differently. So therefore, it is not just going out and purchasing just regular playground equipment. Um, let me say this. All our research has indicated, unless we've missed something, we've been pretty thorough, but there's not a, play, a playground like that in our area that is inclusive of all children. I know that New Braunfels passed a bond not long ago, I think last year, maybe in May, that included a new sports complex out 1044 that will include a playground that is all-inclusive for special needs and handicapped kids. So it is a need in our area. So we understand that we don't want to just minister to those families or those children and on just on Sundays. We want it to be available on events and activities throughout the course of the week. Amen. Why have it just for a Sunday morning? If we can provide that for a community, even that has children, that would be a blessing and benefit. They don't even go here, but we can just love on them with the love of Jesus. Now, having creating that, obviously with the price tag, what we need to do, if you guys will put the map back up again, what we need to do this anyways, is one of the things that we need to create and, and build is the, uh, we, need a, we need some bathrooms. I don't know how to, that doesn't sound as exciting as the playground, but we need some bathrooms, right? How to pitch that. Everybody needs a bathroom, right? And so outside on the end, you can see the green rectangle, the tree student ministries. There's a lot of activities and events that happen or could happen in that facility. Like Saturday, we had a, a week ago, we had a memorial service, but anybody using like the tree student ministries auditorium, they have to walk all the way down the long halls to get to the ch to children's restroom, the kids restroom. Not always when church is going on the best environment, but then activities and events, sometimes it's not conducive for just walking all the way down there for adults sometimes to come use the children's restroom. And so we need to build or build build out some restrooms right there and it will open up our ability to use that part of the campus and to use that, that auditorium um, more and more activities and events. Also, if we're going to keep that playground available throughout the week to be a blessing to families that, that their children would be, a, would be blessed there, then we don't need to leave all the buildings open. If we create bathrooms right there that are accessible from the playground, then we can have that playground open cons a considerable more amount of time than just a service time. Are you with me? And then we can keep the rest of the facilities locked and, and just have access to it. There's just a number of things I'd like to stand out here and make a pitch. I'm not making a pitch. I'm just casting vision. You're with me, right? I just want you to know that. I'm not asking for, your, you know, I'm not taking an offering up for it today. I believe that we are pre-decided givers, so I'm not trying to move anybody by emotion. I just want, I want to cast a vision out there so you and your family can pray about it and see what God would speak to your heart and then do what he would have you do. So I want you to see that it's important for us to create an environment uh, that we can minister to families and kids beyond just our Sunday environment. Um, all kids love to play and children need to play and learn and grow together. They all need to be included. So that's our heart for that. Uh, and you saw some of the other things associated. One last thing on that, and we'll move on, is um, a few years ago, we, we discontinued uh, one of our outreaches, which was the egg hunt. And the egg hunt was a great outreach, 4,000 plus people. But the egg hunt eventually grew to be all-consuming and really became uh, a greater event than a resurrection Sunday morning, which it never should be that way. So we knew we had to make an adjustment. A lot of other churches at that moment in time were doing egg hunts. So we felt we needed to discontinue the egg hunt, focus more on a resurrection Sunday, encourage people to attend the many other events on Saturday, egg hunts, etc. But one thing we did with the egg hunt is we, the last few times that we did it, 
it. We had a special needs component to it. And we had numerous families come out and enjoy it. And really, it was a blessing to them. And so what we're going to do this Easter is we are going to not do a whole full-blown community-wide egg hunt, but we are going to do a community-wide special needs egg hunt. We're just going to focus on that community aspect of it, surrounding areas. So we're going to pitch that out uh, shortly, looking for you guys to come out and volunteer. We'll get you the exact date and time, but be praying about that and coming out and creating that environment for those families. The great thing about that is then too, if they're unchurched families, then they'll know perhaps that this is a place that they can come because there's a huge, I don't know what the percentages are currently. I didn't look at, but I know at one point in time, 85% of families with special needs kids were unchurched because it was difficult for churches to manage or handle that. But I believe, not any better, any worse than anybody else, but I believe God's called us to kind of pick that up a little bit and and provide those environments. Amen. So we're going to do more of that this upcoming year. Super excited. Looking forward to that. Now understand when you're, when you're talking about mission and vision, vision, I think the first starting point is location. I mean, where did God put you? Because God doesn't ever do anything randomly. I mean, we're not here on I-35 by accident. Oh, lucky you. How'd you guys luck out with that property, right? You know, so it was God, you know. And, and, but God didn't do it so we could have 54 acres. So we can say, wow, how much property you got? We got 54 acres. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, it's not for any of that. It's God has need of all of this. So he gave a faithful group of people, proving themselves faithful over so many years, those that have gone on before us, and said, you've proven yourself faithful, I'm going to put you on one of the prime places on I-35 on the busy stretches of highway, I'm going to give you 54 acres for the kingdom of God, not so you can sit back and say, we're on I-35 with 54 acres. So I think location and time speak to where we are when we're talking about vision, and I know this, that if God put us right here, he has a reason for it, we need to constantly be looking and see what that is in regard to our location, if you will. And here's what Acts 17.26 says. Acts 17.26 says, God began by making one man, and from him he made all different peoples who live everywhere in the world. Listen to this last phrase. He decided exactly when and where they would live. God decided exactly where Tree of Life would live and when, and he put us right here. He has a reason for that. There's a purpose in God doing that. Now, having said that, he also put you here for a reason. He decided that you would live in this area. You would live in the good old U.S. of A. You would be born in this time. You would be here in this moment, in the first year of the decade that we're looking ahead to, and in Tree of Life Church. None of that's random. None of that's by accident. So he put us all together for a reason and for a purpose. Location speaks to destiny. And so if you understand where we are in the times that we live in today, one thing I want you to know is that there are 124,000 plus cars pass, that, pass us by every day. That's why changing that old, wore out, tired sign, get it out of there, which we wanted to, but the weather didn't cooperate. And then the company that produced the facing of the sign, there was a flaw in it. And we're not putting anything flawed up there. We've waited long enough to have the right sign up there, right? We want it done right. And it's done right or it's not going up there. Hey, also, the sweet little old lady that had been a part of Tree of Life for years and her passing included this church in her will. And because of that generosity, she's the one that those monies are going. And we're not going to represent her wrong. It's going to be done right because of Luisa Gonzalez, right? I mean, in her heart. We're doing all right. So it's going to be up there soon. Soon. It'll be up there soon, but it's going to be done right. We can wait a little bit longer. Amen. 
But this is the importance of that guy. Put this, put the sign up there. We also have a desire to get a digital sign. You can see right below that. We want a digital sign on there. The monies aren't included in that. And so with 124,650 cars passing by daily, we can have a message that we can send to people. Amen. We can let them know who we are, why we're here, what's going on. With that many people driving by every single day, we have access to literally uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so we're believing there for a digital sign, the resources for that, as well as the bathroom and the playground. And I just want you to believe with us and see what God would have you do. And I know God puts different things on different ones of our hearts. But understand where we live in is growing like crazy. I mean, think about it for a second. We are on 54 acres on I-35 in an area that in 2017 and 2018, New Braunfels was recognized as the second fastest growing city of a population of 50,000 or more percentage-wise. And so two years in a row, I wouldn't be surprised to see 2019 be three years in a row. And that counties around about us and several cities immediately next to us, counties around about us, Comal and Hayes and Guadalupe, also were listed in the top 10, top 20 of population growth these last couple of years. So we are in a great spot, Tree of Life Church, and it's just keeping going and growing. And so there's a reason why we're here and one of the fastest growing areas in the nation. In fact, if we put the map up, guys, you want to put that map up? Look at, that's a map of our area and you can see uh, Tree of Life is there in New Braunfels. Here's the projected growth this decade in the next 10 years. New Braunfels is going to grow, New Braunfels, city of New Braunfels is going to grow by 64% more. That's crazy. It's grown by at least that already, it seems like. And then if you look over in the Seguin area... 30 38% projected growth, San Antonio 22%, and you can see uh, up at the top there, and I have those numbers here because I can't read the sign that far away or the screen that far away. Uh, listen, San Marcos, 36%. So we, you, you realize we're right in the middle of all that? That's not just by coincidence or accident. So we need to be intentional in everything that we do. And not only that, we are a church that has about 54% of our congregation from Tree of Life. Guys, if you'll put that up, the next, the next slide, the next map, you'll see where our con- pockets of congregants are. You'll see in San Antonio Cibolo Church, 21%. You'll see over in the Seguin area, 13%. The northern part, which would be uh, not just San Marcos, but Kyle and Buda, and then the west part, Canyon Lake and Boulevardy, that area. You see the different percentages. Those are great opportunities for us to have an expression, amen, for connecting all people in those areas, wherever you live. How many of you, by a show of hands, live in New Braunfels? Okay, that's a lot. Put them down. How many don't? Okay, that's, that's a lot too. I don't, I don't know where. It's probably 54%, right? It's right, even, right? I'm going to guess about 54% of you right now. So I just feel that. <laughs> Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Uh, so half of us are here, half of us are outside, and I love that. I love that. It gives us a greater, wider range of ministry opportunity, but he's going to do it in and through you, so we need to be intentional. Groups are one thing. We need to have groups and outreach. Hey, if you live in those outlying areas, you need to be a group leader and heading up an outreach with other tree lifers in your area and making an impact in the surrounding areas. Those are the opportunities before us. Groups are coming up. You need to be a group leader, get signed up, get to training, and get on board with all that, and help us be God's expression of life, love, and power. Help us connect all people to the life, love, and power in our outlying areas. Again, I believe that this is the year that we're calling a first fruit year to position ourselves for the rest of the decade. Now, I think it's important going back to all people. Really, the location itself really speaks to that because the reason why, the Tree of Life, I believe, one of the reasons why we're such a diverse church, and we are, we're probably one of the most diverse churches in the, in the area, aside from like parts of San Antonio or Austin. And not that's because we look at us, it's because of where God put us, because not, only, not all the areas in our communities, the surrounding communities, have the diversity that we see. 
So we have access to people in the outline community. So God put us here to be able to connect, as you saw on that graph or that that chart, that map, to pull from the areas which increases our diversity because I believe that God has called us not just to be a diverse church, but to to, uh, model that, what it looks like to come together for the body of Christ to come together. And not just our diversity of race, if you will, and that's really what we focus, it seems like, on, but our diversity of ages. If you were to look at the demographic of our church, we have a great age range from young to old. It's our diversity of income. It's our diversity of gender. It's all those kind of things. God has put us here for a reason. And I believe that this next 10 years, this next year is going to be so significant to set us up as our first fruit year for the remainder of the decade. So this year we're positioning ourselves for that. So let's take a look here in Matthew 13. Matthew 13. I'm going to take a look in the uh, verse 52. Let's read it from the Amplified. I read, I read this, I believe it was probably last week. And this one line stuck out in me and I was getting ready for this weekend message and I just couldn't get away from that one line because I really think what God is speaking to us in this scripture and in, in, in talking about diversity, there's a challenge in the church in this next decade that's not just associated with race. We see that quite a bit now, but I think there's, there's an underlying challenge in the church in particular that we need to be aware of and I think we have as a church an opportunity to really walk through it in a way that models it and leads by example and perhaps other than usually the church world finds itself behind the curve. But let's take a look at this. Let me read it and I'll explain it. He said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out his treasure things, treasure things that are new and fresh and things that are old and familiar. I read that last week. I couldn't get away from that because I believe that really is the church today. And I believe perhaps one of the greatest challenges in the church is the struggle or the battle with the new, fresh, and old and familiar and how we work together moving into this next decade with an emerging generation. How can we connect with an emerging generation? And honestly, I think we see that, we've seen that for a while, the struggle within the church is how does the new find leadership? How do we reach the new, the young generation and how the old, old and familiar still feel a part of that and not feel like their time has passed and they're still significant in it? And I believe we stand on the cusp of a decade that we as a church, God is calling us with all the things we just expressed where we are to be on the leading edge, I believe, in modeling how a church brings the new and fresh and old and familiar together for impact for the kingdom of God. Now, when you talk about church or you talk about what I believe the scripture represents, the new and fresh and old and familiar, I won't, I won't have a show of hands on where you feel you fall in that, right? But listen, we can look at it generationally. And the Bible talks about generations in pretty much years of 40. In fact, when they left, um, the children of Israel left Egypt, it was 40 years before they got into the promised land because the Bible says a generation had to die off and then they got in there. So 40 really is about our, our line that we'll draw. It's different. And we hear all the things about uh, boomers and then we hear Gen X and we hear millennials and Gen Z, I guess, and all that kind of thing. And I think those are good things to look at. But let me just, for the sake of understanding this morning, we're thinking about 40s. We're talking generationally if you're over 40 or if you're under 40. Raise your hand this morning if you're over 40. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. Look around. Okay. Raise your hand if you're under 40. Okay. That's a lot. I knew a lot of our under 40 would be in the 11 o'clock service. I just didn't do that. First service, there was more over 40 hands, right? The early one. But, uh, but look at that. Look at that. 
that um, the grouping there, I, I would say it's probably about half as well. I think we do really good at that. But I think we're going to see a challenge coming in the church world as we see this emerging generation coming up, and the church is going to have to do something about it. And I believe that we are positioned to be a church that can seize the opportunity and combine the new and fresh and the old and familiar for the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. But I really think we can make a difference in this new emerging generation as a church. And I want to encourage you in that as we talk this morning. We're presented with our greatest opportunity and our greatest challenge at the same time. And I think that we can lead forward in this. And I believe that God is asking us of that. And in fact, when you saw the logo rebrand, the redo, we did that with great intentionality for a year. It took us a year. We felt like we incorporated the old and familiar, the tree with the cross, the cross, the core of who we are. And then we incorporated the other aspect of it to connect with an emerging generation. So we felt like we were able to merge the new and fresh and the old and familiar together. But the question is, when we talk about generations, a generation over 40, a generation under 40 that is growing and emerging, what will it take to reach this next generation? And so here's our opportunity. And so when we see in the scripture, when Jesus Jesus comes on the scene ministry-wise, and I don't know if you've ever read it this way. When Jesus comes on the scene ministry-wise, how old was he when he began his earthly ministry? 30. He began miracles, signs, and wonders when he was 30. Isn't it interesting that when God sent his son into the world, and then when he began his earthly ministry, he began it as a 30-year-old millennial. Come on, millennial Jesus. And not a 50-year-old or 60-year-old, which was the religious leaders of the day. And when Jesus began his millennial ministry, millennial Jesus, when Jesus began that, his biggest challenge was from the older generation. Because all of a sudden, Jesus brings this fresh truth to a generation that needed to change. He's now transitioning from the Old Testament, Old Covenant, to the New Covenant and he's saying there's a new way of doing this through love and forgiveness and grace instead of the law and judgment. And so his biggest pushback was from the religious crowd and from the Romans. The religious leaders were all older generation. The Roman leaders were all older generation. Isn't it interesting that Jesus comes to usher in a different new and fresh perspective and it took the old and familiar to need to make the adjustment and for it to work together. I believe we see ourselves there again today. And I think it's important for us to understand what's happening so we can embrace it and lead it by example. And Jesus, millennial Jesus challenges everything, religious leaders, religious teachings, old theology, challenging ways of doing things. The older generation didn't like this 30-year-old challenging their old ways and old beliefs. And they had to be asking the question, who is this 30-year-old trying to tell us what to do? Well, let me tell you who this 30-year-old was. He was God. He was God. He came as, as Jesus to the earth. And isn't it interesting that God comes in the form of a 30-year-old, a young generational millennial leader needing to see things shift and change. And I believe that we stand on the cusp of seeing that ourselves, needing to lead that and embrace it, the new and fresh and the old and familiar. And let's take a look at this passage of scripture at Luke 5, 36 through 39, now that I gave you a little background. And here's what Jesus said. He spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. It goes on to say this, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskin and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. 
But new wine must be put in new wineskins and both are preserved. Listen to 39. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. There is the challenge. We have to be willing to make the shift. And that doesn't mean that we discard the old. It means that the old have to go through a transformation to be able to engage the new and the fresh. And I believe right now we're seeing this in the church culture and I'm seeing it in things I'm listening and reading to and I'm feeling it in my spirit as God's speaking to us. I believe where we're seated here in an area of, of just regionally, and you saw all the statistics and all the maps there, that God has an opportunity for Tree of Life to lead the way and making this cultural shift in the church and outside the church where we are new and fresh and old and young coming together and reaching this new emerging generation and making a great impact for the kingdom of God. And it's important because there's a difference that's coming with this new emerging generation because they don't think like we think. They don't act like we act. And this is a challenge. And we've grown up doing church a certain way and now there's an emerging generation that operates in a different way. And the opportunity is before us to make the shift and actually even lead in it. And, and it, it, Jesus is talking about that idea here that we need to be willing to go through a transformation, the over 40, of our, of our old wineskin. It doesn't mean a discarding or getting rid of. It means we have to make a transformational shift. The emerging generation that we have, we have an opportunity to connect with and reach looks completely different. In fact, I don't know, and looking and studying generations, I don't know that there's a bigger gap between generations than we see the millennials and the, and the Gen Xers, or even when you look to the boomers. I, it seems like, and a lot of reasons why, like uh, technology, et cetera, there's a widening gap, and therefore a widening misunderstanding of generations. And I believe part of that's because the emerging generation comes with an unlimited access to information. The emerging generation can have information in a moment. I mean, access to information, any information in a split second and light speed, you can punch a button and you get, how many guys remember when you wanted information, you had to go to the library? How many of you, my mom's laughing, you're going to laugh at this one, mom. How many of you, because we did, ever had a set of Britannical world encyclopedias in their home? Yeah, we did, and we hauled them around for years and never used them. I don't know what the deal was. We propped beds up on them. We, you know, stacked them up for coffee tables and all kinds of things. I remember, I remember having to learn the Dewey Decimal System to find a book in the library. Now you got to do is type a title in and pull it up, and there it is. But the good and bad in all that is this emerging generation has instant access to information, and therefore it has them challenging everything. And that's not a bad thing but it can get complicated in a sense where we knew like, here's how you got information. It was somewhat limited, so we didn't question everything. All these new ideas and new philosophies of and all that kind of stuff. And so really that this, this new emerging generation has access to information like we've never seen before. The emerging generation we have an opportunity to connect and reach um, comes with a greater sense, operates with a greater sense of alienation or isolation, partly because of social media. They don't have to go anywhere, get outside. They don't have to connect, relate to people. They, things are different. You can do so many things. You don't have to go anywhere to go shopping. You can, anything you want to do, you can isolate or alienate. Part of that also is, I believe that they've seen so much mistrust in leadership that they have seen political leaders fall. They've seen religious leaders fall. They've seen um, business leaders fall. They've seen parents fall. It's like there's a, now this, perhaps this mistrust of leadership and therefore they're pulling away and it's hard to trust people. This emerging generation has a sense, greater sense of isolation or alienation. Whereas an older generation, Gen X, perhaps more a, gen, uh, a boomer generation, you know, your word was your bond. You could trust, you know, a handshake, right? And you can relate to people and had 
authentic relationships. The emerging generation that we have an opportunity to connect with is challenging authority like never before. A man's authority, but also God's authority. The, the emerging generation's cha- challenging the authority of the Bible, challenging the authority of God, challenging the authority and, and, and the activity of church, and challenging the, just the authority of leadership. And the result is that there's a great gap between generations like never before, and the emerging generation sees a fragmented culture before them. Whereas other generations, if you can think back, did not see it as fragmented as it is today, but this emerging generation, for things that we've mentioned and many more, see this fragmentation. And so that's what they see and what they know. They see fragmentation in everything in their life. They have fragmented families. The families now are not like the families used to be. The families now were generation X and, and boomer generation. You hardly ever saw divorce. Now divorce is half of marriages. And in fact, the fastest growing segment is people living together and not being married. And, and so they're seeing fragmented families and, and the family looks different. You're seeing so many more single parent families. You're seeing so many more blended families. You're seeing so many more co- cohabitating families. You're seeing so many more same-sex families, and they're seeing this fragmentation of families. If they're not going to see a family that's not fragmented, then they need to find it in the church, a church family. In fact, this emerging generation, this emerging generation, when they talk about families, they talk about a group of friends, because sometimes it can be closer to a group of friends than their dysfunctional family. But a church family, new and fresh, old and familiar. Come on, somebody. We ought to be able to come together and be a family and create a family for an emerging generation, not to see. Maybe some of the greatest fragmentation is in the church. That just might be where some of it is. We'll get to that in just a second. But listen, the emerging generation looks at fragmented families in the church, I believe, is a place where they can see a family actually coming together, uniting. And they should see it in the church family, but that's what they see. They see things like that in their emerging generation. Emerging generation doesn't even really, perhaps even know what family is, but there's power in the church family. They have fragmented careers. Remember, like, uh, even when I was graduating high school and and it was just everybody went to college and everybody picked a career and then you worked that career for 25, 40 years and you retired from there and you had a pension. Boomer generation, you really understand that stuff. The statistics say that people under 30 change careers seven times before they reach 30. And part of that is because everything's changing in the world so much and they really don't know why they're here. They really don't have a purpose and they go to a college, they think they're supposed to go to college and then they get this huge tuition bill and they graduate, don't even usually work in the field that they went to school and got this bill for them and then they can't find a job, not only it meets their needs but helps them pay for their college bill and so they're wandering lost without purpose and without a sense of why they're here on the planet. And if they're not, and they're not gonna find that in the world, that's only found in the church. And that's when the old and familiar come and help them discover their purpose. That's why the Bible says the older are supposed to teach the younger. Where does that happen? In groups. Some of you old and familiar need to have groups full of new and fresh. I'm just saying what the Bible says. Right. Fragmented relationships. They don't even know what a real relationship is. Bounce around and they got, we remember in the day that the other generations had a few really close friends and you came over and you played cards or you came over and you had a barbecue, you sat on the front porch and you did things together. Now they have so many friends, but they don't know any of them. But they can communicate with all of them at one time by the push of a button on Instagram and Facebook. And unbeknownst to them, you wouldn't want to get to some of them because some of those people that are friends might be serial killers or something. I don't, you don't even know who they are on your Facebook and Instagram. They don't know what it is. There's a generation, emerging generation, that's desperate for real and authentic friendship. Desperate for it. A lot of you are in here desperate for that. Again, the power of groups and coming together. Iron sharpens iron. 
praying for each other, creating safe environments to build real, genuine, authentic relationships. They're not gonna find it in the world. It's the old and familiar coming together intentionally, purposely reaching out to the new and fresh. That's our opportunity. What are we gonna do? We're gonna lead the way and be a part of that. Fragmented relationships. Where are all the, where are all the good relationships? In the boomer generation. Where your word was your bond? Come on. So we need to make sure that we are connecting. And then fragmented faith. Fragmented faith. I don't even know what to believe anymore this generation. Emerging generation. 15% of them, statistics or studies say, have a real faith. 85% of them don't have anything they particularly believe in. 85% of the emerging generation don't have a faith. In fact, they call them nuns. N-O-N-E-S. I'm affiliated with none. And why would they? They need the church, the old and familiar, to reach out and embrace them and show them what real authentic faith looks like, to show them what a real God looks like, right? A powerful God, a miracle-working God, a real God, what a real church is, what a real church is supposed to do. I believe that's the opportunity we have to connect. 2020 is our first fruit years. We establish and position ourselves for these things. This decade, we can connect and we can lead and model. That's our opportunity, I believe. So how does the church help the emerging generation connect all their fragmented pieces? How does Tree of Life help them connect all their fragmented family, work, relationship, faith ideas, bring it all together? Can we lead? This is the opportunity, I believe, that we have. And this is the positioning, I believe, for this year. And number one, let me say it this way. We can do it through having a culture of humility and love instead of religion and judgment. The old and the new need to come together. The old especially need to create a, hum, a, a, a culture of humility and love instead of religion and judgment. You know, I'm talking and, and my girls are 19 and 20 and get to connect with some of the friends. Sometimes they're hanging out at the church, get to meet. And I always like to ask them questions and stuff. And I ask Camry questions about where they go to church, where they do. It's interesting to hear Young people today talk about church or why they don't go to church or why this is a turn off. And usually the young people today don't, don't want to become a Christian because of Christians. And they don't want to go to church because of church. Because they find it judgmental. They find it religious. Because they believe a different way, they think a different way. As an emerging generation would, they find the generation before them coming at them more with judgment and religion instead of humility and love. We need to change that. This is exactly what took place in Jesus' day. He begins to introduce truth in a fresh way, new way, in a way that was different from the Old Testament law. And so millennial Jesus begins to present a higher truth to the people. Grace, love, not law. And the, the ones that rejected him were the older generation, the Pharisees of the day. And so one day Jesus decided, uh, one day actually the the generation, the religious leaders decided to test millennial Jesus. John 8, 1 through 11, New Living Translation, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, which was amazing that they would call a 30-year-old teacher because teachers of the law or religion were not 30 years, not even close to that. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says stone her, kill her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. I love that. 
And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Uh, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Listen to this, beginning with the oldest. Now, either because the oldest was the wisest or because he was the oldest, he had so much more time to sin. First one out, I'm out. Okay, got a lot of this stuff. I've been around a long time. Um, and so Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them continue, continue? No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, neither do I. Listen to what he said. Go and sin no more. I'm not condemning you. Jesus started this movement right here. Millennial Jesus started a movement with a truth of grace and love and not judgment and condemnation. And he chose to do it in this scenario. The law said you needed to kill the person. Jesus said, go and sin no more. What Jesus was trying to demonstrate was how a person who's following God needs to think about a person who's not following God. See, people who are not following God are going to act like those who are not following God. And one of the big barriers in the church today is, and to the emerging generation is judgment. How we make them feel. And the church hasn't always handled that well. And now there are certain things in the scripture the Bible teaches, and we believe that about holiness and righteousness. But there's an emerging generation that mostly do not even believe in the Bible or they question the Bible. And sometimes they'll come to church and you can't just tell them, well, the Bible says that you're in sin. Well, I don't believe the Bible. Why should I believe the Bible? But they'll listen to love and grace. And we want people that don't know God to come to church. We want people that don't believe the Bible to come to church. And if we can show them love and grace, then at some point down the road, we can show them the Bible and they can learn to live that way. But we don't start with judgment and condemnation. Emerging generations will come to church and the goal is to get them to know Christ so they can learn and believe what the Bible is. And so what the church needs to do is recognize that all of us are sinners. We all needed a savior, every single one of us. And Jesus taught us to value everyone regardless of their sins. The reality is every one of us is on a journey. Every one of us. And when people start, we want to help them work out their salvation daily. We're not perfect, but we're working it out, working towards holiness, and we won't get there overnight. Amen? So we need a great humility and love, not religion and judgment. We value people in spite of their sins. Amen? And let me tell you, being set here on I-35, we're going to have an opportunity for a really diverse group of people access to them. Amen? To come. And we're going to show them love and humility and not judgment. Amen? And religion. Let me say this, you don't have to compromise truth to love. You don't have to compromise truth to love. Number two, we're gonna emphasize a kingdom culture over an earthly culture. And this is really hard. We're gonna emphasize a kingdom culture over an earthly culture. A mistake that the church can easily make is building a church around certain earthly cultures of people instead of helping people discover a kingdom culture. It's so much easier to build a church around earthly culture than kingdom culture. For example, if I want to build it around earthly culture, I find an earthly culture that I feel comfortable with. And then I will sing songs that that earthly culture likes. I'll preach messages the earthly culture likes. I'll have activities and events that earthly culture likes. It's not as easy if I want to connect with multiple cultures. That means I've got to change some things even I feel most comfortable in in my earthly culture. Do you get the picture here? And we can't slip into this single culture, earthly culture mindedness, we have to have a kingdom culture. You saw, and you see the diversity here. You saw the, all the statistics. We have to have a kingdom culture mindset. So result is if we keep 
teaching an earthly culture or just connecting with an earthly culture, here's the result. We create white culture church, black culture church, Hispanic culture church, Asian culture church, old culture church, young culture church, traditional culture church, contemporary culture church, rich culture church, poor culture church, Republican culture church, Democrat culture church, and we are about the kingdom culture here at Tree of Life Church, not the earthly culture. We have an opportunity based on where God put us, based on our location, to be a kingdom culture first minded church. And that's our opportunity this year as a first fruit opportunity to increase our kingdom culture mindedness to reach not just our area, but the emerging generation. And now I know that these, these churches are, I don't mean to disrespect any churches that function that way because some are in communities that there's only single cultures in and they reach people. But in the coming future, and listen, in the coming future, if you're a one culture only church, you're going to have limited impact. Because this is why I believe that. The emerging generation is not just hanging with one culture. The emerging culture generation is not just hanging with one culture. They're intermingling. They don't want to just be one culture minded. The emerging generation, you know what the emerging generation see churches as? Prejudiced. Because too many churches are one culture minded. But the emerging generation, the millennials and then the Gen Zs, they're coming. They don't want that. They don't want a one culture church. They want to be a part of everything. They want to connect with all people. In fact, if you'll look at statistics and you'll, you'll look at things like marriage and stuff, uh, interracial marriage is growing by 220%. The emerging generations aren't concerned about the cultures or the barriers the previous generations has put up, uh, put up there, the walls and barriers. If we want to reach an emerging culture, the old and familiar reaching the new and fresh, we have to tear down those walls. We have to tear down those barriers. We have to be kingdom culture minded and not earthly culture. And I, and I know, and I appreciate your clapping. It's not going to set well on some in here and I get that, but you, that's why you need to know who we are. So you can make a decision. We hope you stay around long enough to get on board. But if not, hey, that's, that's between you and the Lord. But we have an opportunity to continue to cultivate a kingdom culture mindset here at Tree of Life Church. When you operate in an earthly kingdom, you'll identify more with your culture. If you operate in your earthly kingdom, you'll identify more with your race or with your age or with your income level, and you'll always be thinking through the lens of culture. But if you operate in kingdom-minded, your identity is in the kingdom and not an earthly culture. See, and churches will even find themselves, and let me say this because of the world we live in today and in light perhaps of some of the things going on, we're in an election year. You even see people, churches being created around a political culture. You'll see churches more around a Republican culture. You'll see churches being formed around more of a Democrat culture. Now, I don't stand up here and talk about politics, and I get it from people all the time. Why are you staying silent in the pulpit? You should say this. I say what God has me say. That's what I want to say. But listen... Jesus isn't a Republican or a Democrat. <laughs> he has a government and he says it's on his shoulders. He's my government, amen? He's the one I look to for it. Now I know, but we live in a world. But there's churches that will spend more time talking about their political culture than the word of God. And we're not gonna be that. And I'm not here to, to, to um, uh, promote a, a party. I'm not here to promote a candidate or a person. Uh, and I do look at policy. And I see a policy lines up with the word of God. And then really in the world we live in today, not everyone's platform or policy is gonna line up completely. So what we end up doing is picking the one, the policies that line up most with the kingdom or the Bible. 
just is what it is. But here's my mind, here's where I'm trying to get across. Wherever you are, Republican or Democrat or independent or whatever that is, it's about a kingdom culture first. We identify there first. And that's what we have to do, especially in our ever-changing political climate. We have to make sure we're creating a kingdom culture here. I can't lead according to human culture. I have to lead according to the way God values people through kingdom culture. And that's what we're creating. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Here's what Jesus says. Millennial Jesus, all of you are God's children because of your faith in Christ Jesus. Actually, Paul writing about millennial Jesus. And when you were baptized, it was as though you had put on Christ in the same way you put on new clothes. You have a new kingdom. Faith in Christ Jesus is what makes each of you equal with each other, whether you're a Jew or Greek, a slave or free, a man, a woman, black, white, brown, Asian, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat. So if you belong to Christ, you're now part of Abraham's family and you will be given what God has promised. Christ is the great equalizer. Christ is the great equalizer. So we value people because God values people. And that's appealing to emerging generations. Let me give you the last one here. Culture emphasizes mission over attendance. Uh, Creating a culture, rather. We're creating an environment here at Tree Life 2020 and beyond that we create a culture that emphasizes mission over attendance. It's a challenge in pastoring a big church, and we're a big church. Like this one, as people begin to think the size of the church crowd gives the impression that you're really doing something. (laughs) Not necessarily. People can draw a crowd. Doesn't mean you're doing anything. Listen, emerging generations want to be a part of an organization that's doing something. They don't want to just go and attend something. Listen, the, the, um, the, the power of a church is not in a building on a Sunday morning. The power of the church is what's happening outside the building on Monday through Saturday in the outlying areas that you saw on that map, committed to other cultures, other cultures and other places. Emerging generations are shifting from wanting to go hear the message to wanting to do the message to wanting to be the message. They want to do the message and be the message. We can't just come and be told what to do and how to live life. The emerging generation doesn't want to sit around and do that. They want to actually be the message and do the message. And they'll mobilize around that mission. The emerging generation wants to mobilize around missions and around cause. They want to be mobilized for a mission and a cause. They want to be a part of something that makes a difference. And Jesus, a millennial, knew this. So he's talking about this in the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you last week were here last week or heard the message last week, the video? And in that video, and I typically, when I, when I have videos, and, and Daniel, I appreciate Daniel putting that together. I didn't give him any instruction on that. He just felt led of the Lord to do it. I'll play a, a, a video, uh, audio of my, my dad talking about the measure of a great church. But at the end of the video, at the end of his part, he said something. If you remember, Tree Life, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. You're to be on mission. It's not what happens in these four walls. And what happens, and that was resonating in me and I was getting ready and preparing this. But look at what millennial Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Here's what he said. He goes, you're the salt of the earth. We just heard that last week. It's who we still are. But what good is salt if it only gathers in the church? What good is salt if it only meets its own culture? What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? 
Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Millennial Jesus didn't want you to do church. He wanted you to be the church. He didn't want you to come listen to a message. He wanted you to be the message. If we're going to reach an emerging generation and we want to lead and we stand on the cusp of this new decade, then we need to be a people old and familiar coming together with new and fresh and we need to be the church. We need to be on mission. What am I, what I'm doing with my life and with my time and with my money that's not just facilitating me is important. You know, I just want to say this in closing. Last week, again, if you saw generosity and if you were to get, you can get a cash flow statement, a church prints one every year. Uh, you can get that at the Connect Center. You can get that online, see that, how we do every year. Uh, you'll see on there $483,000, over $483,000 were given to help facilitate missions and outreach. And that's amazing. Praise the Lord for that, right? Amen. That's over, that's well over 10%. That's well over 10%. But let, let me say this. And I, talking in some of the things and you saw on the screen and listening and even just my own kind of contemplating, if you look at that cash flow statement, you look at almost half a million dollars going out to outreach emissions, you know, half a million dollars would build that bathroom pretty simply and easily. Half a million dollars might build that playground as well. Half a million dollars would get us a great sign on there, but we wouldn't be on mission. We wouldn't be the salt of the earth. We wouldn't be reaching people for Jesus. We wouldn't be building churches in India. We wouldn't be helping orphans in Mexico. We wouldn't be helping the poor and under-resourced here. We wouldn't be reaching anybody for Jesus. So we can be the salt of the earth and we can still build what we need to build here. That's gonna take the old and familiar and the new and fresh coming together to do what God's asking us to do. We can't stop being the salt. We can't stop being the light for the sake of paying or doing something we need to do. But we can do all of it if we all do our part. And that's the opportunity that we have before us. All of us coming together just to do our part. And, and part of the opportunity is then to be a church that's willing to make a shift and lead, perhaps model, perhaps our ability of the old and familiar to connect with the new and fresh to make the greatest impact in this new emerging generation that's coming. It doesn't look like it used to, and it won't, but we need to be able to move and shift to be able to reach them. That's what God's calling and asking us to do. That's what I believe is ahead for you, Tree of Life Church. We need to understand that we need to understand what we do here is about what we do out there, and we need to mobilize and do that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. I thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to bring your word this morning. My heart, my hope was, Lord, they didn't hear my words, they heard your words. That despite the vessel that you used this morning, Father God, I thank it, the Holy Spirit spoke directly to them. That we're all a part of this, Father God. This is our home, this is our family, Father God. If you've called them here, and I pray that people make decisions and commitments, Father God, to put their roots down and be a part of something greater than ourselves and launch ourselves in not just 2020, but position ourselves for this next decade to be the greatest decade we've ever seen. For the kingdom of God, and there's a shift, Father God, and whether we fall in the old and familiar, whether we fall in the new and the fresh, Lord, we can come together and model and be an example, Father God, to this world and reach an emerging generation, Father God, that so desperately needs Jesus. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church 
at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.